I love everybody so kind of somber this morning. This is good. It's good to be in the family room. All righty. Well, in the family room, at the end of your chair on the right is little red dots on a little strip. And you're going to pass them down. And I'm going to encourage you to put a red dot either on your watch or on your phone. For those old timers, we've done this uh, a couple of times in the last 20 years. And these little red dots are reminders of the presence of God, of our attentiveness to Jesus. Red, of course, the blood of Jesus makes an open door for us to remember. You can put it on your watch or put it on your phone. And what you'll find out is that people are going to ask you this week, what's that red dot on your phone? Or what's that red dot on your watch? And you're going to get to point them to Jesus. This is going to be awesome. Well, while you are passing down your red dots, and again, if you are not able to get one for some reason or another, uh, uh, then we will, uh, they'll be at the information booth as you walk out. Um, but while you're doing that, I want to take your attention to another dot, and that's the blue dot, the Siri blue dot, you know, or the maps blue dot. You know what I'm talking about? So when it says you are here and you're trying to get there, and I had this experience happen, as I'm sure you all have. I was in Austin on Monday, and uh, I'm coming out of the Walmart parking lot need to, needing to get to an event that I am actually leading a little bit in a hurry. And, uh, and Siri can, or the map lady can't figure out which way to go, right? You know, when you're trying to come out of the parking lot, and you're like, is it right or is it left? And they're, 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 it's not clear. Anybody with me? Anybody like, okay, all right. So then out of impatience, of course, I just turned right. And then that famous voice comes on, rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And you see your little blue dot moving away in the opposite direction from where you need to go. And then, of course, you need to drive a mile and a half before you can turn around and get back in the right direction. And then the blue dot gets back on the line and you're ready to go. If I was to say, what has God been doing among us as a people and what is God saying to us? It is time to reroute. That we are drifting as a culture, maybe even as a church, maybe in our own hearts. We've been drifting a little bit off that line and God is rerouting us by calling us to establish worship and prayer again in the centerpiece of who we are. And God is going to, going, has been going to dramatic lengths to communicate to us that need. I shared a dream that uh, a person had come to me in February, very powerful dream. And in the dream, we're in a three-story building, and I'm in the basement with this person. And there's a fire that breaks out. The furnace catches on fire, and it looks like it's going to consume the first floor. And in this dream, I'm telling the, the person is very anxious. They're saying, we have to get out of here. I put my hand on their shoulder, and I said, no, I've been here before. It's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And then the fire hits the second floor, and it begins to consume the second floor. And things are falling all around us, and the person appropriately says, we got to get out of here. we got to get out of here. And she said, in the dream, I calmly put my hand on her shoulder, and I said, it's okay. I've been here before. We're going to be just fine. Remember that the fire of God comes to refine, to purify. The pruning of God is always for bearing fruit if we stay settled in Jesus. Whatever fire is going on in your life right now, whatever seems to be falling around you under the shelter of his wing, you can be at peace. And as that second floor is deteriorating, she said, what I saw in the dream was something remained through the second floor fire. And there was a, a big circle, a wood circle, and in the middle of it was a grand piano. 
And then the flames hit the third floor and we had the same scenario. It's going to fall. We've got to get out of here. And I'm saying, I've been here before. We're going to be just fine. And all of a sudden on the third floor, the pipes burst, but the water keeps flowing perfectly without structure. Well, there's several reasons why that dream is so important, but one of the things that we didn't know is, or excuse me, that, that you may not know, is that the, a couple had come to us and had said uh, in the fall and said, we really feel like God is leading us to donate a grand piano to Antioch. Now, again, that has not been our normal mode at grand pianos. We've kind of had the keys and all that since we were a church. And, um, and it was very unique. And they said, well, we're so convinced it's God. We're going to donate it and just do whatever you feel like you need to do. But we know that we have to obey God. Well, of course, they did not know the person who had the dream about the grand piano being in the middle of the, of the congregation. After the pruning, after the fire, after all the challenge, God is pulling us back and redirecting us again to establish worship and prayer at the center of our hearts, at the center of our homes, at the center of our life groups, at the center of our gatherings, at the center of our workplaces, at the center of our city. Because when worship and prayer is right, when it is central in our lives, then God is able not only to carry us and sustain us, but he is also able to empower us for his purpose and plans for our lives. Hey, Isaiah 56, 7 is a prophetic word to the church, to the people of God. Even those, I, I always want to emphasize uh, God himself, I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifice will be acceptable on my altar. And for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. Wow. God prophesies through Isaiah, there's coming a people that will emerge, who will be a house of prayer everywhere they go. They will be the temple of the Holy Spirit. When they gather in my name, they will worship, they will pray, they will be connected to me, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. And as you guys know, Jesus picks up this theme in the book of Mark and in the book of Matthew, where he goes into the temple and he sees that they are buying and selling things they're not taking seriously, worship and prayer as was intended for the altar to always be alive with the worship of God. He gets angry. He throws out the money changer and he said, don't you know? And then he prophesied, he picks up the prophecy of Isaiah. Don't you know my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. There's so many things that the church is called to do, but at the center of it, we are to worship him. We are to pray to him. We're allowing his word to be central in our hearts and lives. And those altars of sacrifice in a prayer are what allows God's grace to be poured out wherever his people gather. You guys, just a little bit of review of where we've been. We've been talking about this definition of prayer. Prayer is union with God through worship and, and um, uh, in thanksgiving. When we were worshiping right now, then we were praying. There was these, this incense going up to heaven, and the way I always view it is when we, the people of God worship, darkness literally is punched through. If, if there is a principality over every city in the world, if there's a darkness, whether it's thin or thick, when we worship and pray, that darkness begins to break up. And that's why we always pray for every church in our community, every church that names the name of Jesus, Every church that's 
singing unto Jesus. Those are pockets of light going up into our city. So Lord, let the body of Christ flourish this morning. And we worship and we pray. And then we, it says, uh, then, uh, it's union with God, communion, just simply walking and talking with God. So many times we complicate prayer so much. Prayer is talking to God. And if you've ever read the Psalms, you can say just about whatever you want, right? Not saying it's always helpful or effective, but you can say anything you want. God can handle your complaints and your pain and your thoughts, whether they are right or wrong. He's able to redirect them in the, in the midst of a conversation and a relationship. So God is always wanting and always available to talk. Uh, actually, he sent the Holy Spirit to be our counselor at all times. So it's union and communion, but prayer is also partnership with God. There are things that God wants to do in our city, in your life, in your family. And when you partner with him around his will and his desire for people to be saved, for prisoners to be set free, for healing, for hope and help, then when we partner with God, we become the people that he intended through worship, through union, communion, and partnership and prayer. And as you guys know, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer as kind of our framework. And the reason we're doing this is that Jesus, um, this is the one prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray. There are other prayers of Jesus that we can use. But when the disciples wanted to learn how to pray and they came to Jesus, Jesus said, here is how you pray. So just to review again, Luke 11, 1 and 2, it happened that while Jesus was in a certain place, everybody say certain place, got to say it every time. After he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. And he said, when you pray, and before we say it, everybody got to stand. You just got to stand for the word of God. Let's say it together. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So I'm just going to quickly go in review of where we've been so that we can get into uh, our, our, the rest of the prayer today. But I want to encourage you, if you haven't been here the last three weeks, please go online and listen to those messages somewhere, like just driving from point A to point B. It'll help you uh, be a part of what God's doing in reestablishing, putting us back on, rerouting us back, not just individually, but also as an entire uh, community. So we, we talked about Jesus going to a certain place. He had a consistent place that he went, and he had a consistent time. Over and over again, you see Jesus pulling away early in the morning. Many times he'd be all night. But what's most consistent in the scripture is that Jesus would pull away to a certain place in the morning to seek the Lord so that he could establish the rule and reign of God again. As he wakes from his sleep, and so, in order that we our dot doesn't start drifting, we've got to realign and put ourselves on the line. 
Everybody know what I'm talking about? If you wake up, you get distracted immediately. You're, you're drifting until you establish Jesus as Lord through word, worship, and prayer. David said this in Psalm 5.3, In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. Well, we've been spending time then after we know a certain place, certain time, then Jesus said, pray in this way, our Father who art in heaven. So Jesus brought them to the Father. Remember, it is the blood of Jesus that is the sacrifice that has made a way for the door to be open. The door is always open, not because of you. The door is always open because of him. Jesus says, I am the door. That's why when we come to the Lord in the Lord's prayer, when we come to the Father, we come through the blood of Jesus. And I'll just quote it, Isaiah 53, four through six, we've been going through that, surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity or sins of us all to fall on him. So wherever you are, morning by morning, you can take your sin, place it on the lamb of sacrifice. The blood covers you completely. You're not partially forgiven. Anybody feel partially forgiven at times? Right? If I just keep thinking about it, I'm finally going to get more forgiven than I was before. Right? You know what I'm saying? You just get out of the loop because the blood of Jesus is sufficient. It is complete to forgive us of our sins. So then we come to the Father, our Father, and, and we've been talking about Psalm 139. You wove me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful all your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. We, we'd establish, God, you are my Father. You created me. My days are written in your book. Your thoughts towards me are good and not evil because of the blood of Jesus. I run into the arms of the Father, not from the Father. And if I could just remind you again, as a parent raising kids, when our kids would do bad, we would draw them closer, not push them away. Because they need us more than ever. They're not going to get rid of their badness unless they meet with goodness. And hopefully as mom and dad, our intentions for them are good. So we never wanted them to pull away. And when they were disciplined, when they needed correction, we didn't send them off in a corner by themselves. We kept them right by our side to love and reassure them that we're going to do this together. You're not in this alone. Ooh, a lot of parent thoughts right there. All right. <laughs> So we come to our Father who is good, and then we declare the names of God. And again, there's all kinds of names of God that you can declare. We got the little prayer card for you, but I would just boldly declare morning by morning, you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You are Jehovah Rophe, my healer. You're Jehovah Nisi, my banner. You're Jehovah Makedesh, my holiness or sacrifice. You're Jehovah Shalom, my peace. You're Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. You are Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. You're Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. So when I have come by the blood of Jesus, when I have connected with the Father and declared the names of God, Woo! If you're not ready to rock and roll, I don't know what else to help you with. The Word of God describes God so that it can reflect onto us what we need in order to activate our faith towards God. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is the word of God as God has revealed himself that activates your faith and belief and trust in God. Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith it's impossible to please God for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you feel that you are weak in your faith, if you feel like uh, you're doubting God, if you're not sure about his goodness, start looking at him through his word as he describes himself, and you don't have to figure it all out, just let it renew your mind, and all of a sudden, by the Holy Spirit, eventually it's gonna click, and it's gonna activate your faith and trust in God beyond what you could ever get through in your own head. Woo! Thank y'all, that was good, that was good. And then yet last week we talked about, we began into the prayers, we're connected to the king and the kingdom. Then we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. Wherever the king is, there is the kingdom. So rule and reign of God come into my heart. Rule and reign of God come into my home. Rule and reign of God come into my family. Rule and reign of God come into my marriage. Wherever we need the rule and reign of God, we pray your kingdom come, your will be be done. And when we talk about the will of God, we, we base that our confidence is around not just the, um, the, the, what we perceive as the will of God, but by using the word of God, we have confidence in the will of God. All right. First John 5, 14, 15, I quoted it last week. And this is the confidence. Anybody want to be confident in prayer? Come on. Does anybody want to be confident? Okay. All right. Thank you. This is the confidence that we have before who? Him, before him. We've just looked at him, so now our confidence is activated. That if we ask anything, everybody say anything. According to his will. Wow, how do we know what his will is? We know his will through his word. What does God have to say about fear? What does God have to say about anxiety? What does God have to say about hope? What does God have to say about salvation? What does God have to say about prodigals coming home? If we ask anything according to his, whoop, it went back. According to his word, he hears us. Woo, that's encouraging. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know. Everybody say, we know that we have, everybody say we have, yeah. the request, <laughs> I like it, right? Which we have asked from him. My confidence is not based on my feelings, my desires. My confidence is based on the will of God revealed by the word of God. Therefore, I declare the word of God over my situations and I send it forth because the promise of Isaiah is that it will, it will hit the target every time when it is sent in the name of Jesus. We talked last week about uh, getting scriptures for your kids, getting scripture for family members, getting scriptures for family and, and uh, coworkers and uh, et cetera. So I wanna give you one more uh, here at how I would pray the word of God for people that are far from God. I have a friend in another state whose daughter has drifted from the Lord and he is just heartbroken. He and his wife are heartbroken or have been praying for her return. 
And so I said, I am going to stand with you. So how do I stand with my friends? Of course, Lord, bring her back. Lord, bring her to her senses. Lord, enlighten the eyes of her heart. So that, that's, then now we're getting into the word of God. So Ephesians 1, 17 through 19 is what I pray for this prodigal daughter to come home. And here it is, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, wow, you know what one definition of glory is? Glory is just as it should be. The glory of God is the manifestation of God as it should be. Woo! He's the Father of glory, man. That he may give to, and then I put the person's name, I put the person's name in here, he might give to so-and-so a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. This young lady needs to see Jesus. She needs to have a revelation of Jesus. And here's what needs to happen. I pray that the eyes of her heart may be enlightened so that she will know that she will know what is the hope of his calling. God has a calling on her life. She needs to see it. What are the riches of the glory, as life should be, of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us and towards her who now will believe in the name of Jesus because we're sending the word of God by revelation. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. So I use this scripture to pray for this prodigal daughter to come home. And I got a good report last week that she had come to a family event and was warm for the first time in a couple of years and their, their, their hope is being ignited. But what if you prayed the word of God over that greatest concern that you have for a family member or a friend, then every day you can be confident that that word was sent forth for what it was intended and it landed by the spirit of God. And then the other thing we always pray is God soften the hearts in the soil of the person that I'm praying for so that they will be able to receive your word with a good heart and it may be planted and go deep and bear fruit. Ephesians 1, 17 through 19 I, uh, um, is, is so significant to me because a dear uh, friend of mine uh, grew up in Japan. He grew up as a missionary kid. His parents were godly people, but he was just uh, one of those guys that did not want godliness and uh, became a pretty wild guy. This was during the hippie movement, and he came to the States, and he became a hippie drifting throughout uh, the northwest of our country. And um, he said one day he, he woke up and he just felt like, it's time. I, I, I got to find God. I, I, I can't keep living the way I'm living. He's 21 years old. He said, I have to find God. And, um, and he goes and he uh, asks around, goes to a church, eventually finds somebody that knows the Lord. Uh, they explain the gospel to him again. He responds to the Lord. And it, the guy says, hey, we're doing a baptism tomorrow. Come on. Uh, join us and get baptized. So that night he opens his Bible and he said, Lord, where do I read? And God brought him to Ephesians. And he started in the book of Ephesians. He read chapter one. He gets to verse 17. And he said, all I can say is like it jumped off the page at me, 17 through 19. And I couldn't help but read it and reread it and read it and reread it. And he said, I knew it was time to tell my parents before I was going to get baptized. So I called them 
late that night, I told them my experience. They're crying on the other end of the phone. They're rejoicing. And he said, the weirdest thing happened, Mom. I asked God where to read, and I turned to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, and this scripture, I, do you believe that something can jump off the page supernaturally? This scripture jumped off the page at me, and I can't get it out of my mind. What does it mean? He said, on the other end of the line, now Mom is wailing. And she said, son, that's the scripture God gave to me when you were born. I prayed it every day for 21 straight years. And now you've come home. Wow. So do you think that that mom was discouraged at times praying Ephesians 1, 17 through 19? That's why right after the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, he tells us, uh, excuse me, the, Matthew, the Luke 11 version, he tells us how to pray, persevering prayer, ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. We continue to pound the word of God into the work of the enemy towards its intended target because we are confident that the word of God rightly sent is the will of God by the spirit of God. All righty, that's all review. We ready? So now we're give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And again, our, the little prayer card uh, uh, helps uh, clarify some of these things. But here's what I do. Every day, uh, and I actually do this every day, I pray over my own life and over all my kids and, and, and our family. And I said, Lord, fill us this day and, uh, and overwhelm us physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially, spiritually, cover us by the blood of Jesus. Thank you that you began a curse on our behalf. I break every curse in the name of Jesus off myself and off our family. Fill us with all of your will, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially, and spiritually in the name of Jesus. Great way to start, right? And then on this, give us this day our daily bread, then I start praying through the day. So this morning I prayed, God, would you give me your word? As I stand up before the people, would you anoint your word by the power of your spirit and may it hit its intended target for your glory? I prayed already for lunch, meeting with some of our kids. Lord, give us a deep time of meeting with you, the joy of being together as family. I have a, 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 a little meeting later on today. God, in that meeting, would you speak? Would you lead? Would you guide and direct? Tonight we have life group. God, would you allow us to meet with you and be visited by the Holy Spirit? And then I I pray for the end of the night. Lord, may I end the night well. May my sleep be sweet by the grace of God. I pray over the whole day and then I pause and I wait on the Lord and I say, God, is there anything I need to know? Is there for any of these meetings, is there anything I need to know? So when we're saying, give us this day our daily bread, we're praying over ourselves, we're praying over everything. And again, you say, I don't know how to pray. I put it on the card for you. Just, just, pray, just, just pray over those things. And you pray over each area of your day, and then you wait on God and say, God, is there anything I need to know? Friday, I went and spoke in College Station at their world mandate, and um, I had done that exercise that morning, and my heart was stirred to pray for healing. And I, I, I just thought, okay, Lord, would you, I know I'm speaking a message on passion for Jesus and activating them for the nations and surrender, but God, would you give something for healing? And I can just say, I prayed for that before, and some, I get, sometimes I get nothing, sometimes I may get a thought. Or, but in this particular case, I, we're in worship, and I'm just reminded again to pray again for healing. And I get in my mind's eye, 
and, and I'll, that's all I can say, just in my mind, somebody that has a migraine headache, and it's kind of like there's some pain and some problems on the left side of their head, and then I said, oh, okay, Lord, uh, I'll, I'll be bold and step out there uh, best I, I know, and then I said, uh, Lord, is there anything else you need to know? And he said, her name's Michelle. So I, and, and some of you guys would say, well, I'm not that spiritual. Well, neither am I. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm trying to submit to God and ask him to help people. And, and, you know, this is the thought that came to mind. And what's the worst thing that's going to happen? There is no Michelle and there is somebody that can get healed, but I'm just humbly trying to walk with God. And um, so I have this, this deal and I, I communicate uh, the, that word in the in kind of the middle of my sermon, I think. And then I finish the sermon. People come down for prayer. And afterwards, somebody comes over and says, hey, there's a gal here named Michelle. And she had a headache, but it wasn't on the left side. It was just all over her head, migraines consistently. We prayed for her. God touched her. It was a beautiful time. Pain left for the moment. And there was a, a sweetness of God. And I thought, well, maybe I guess that was it. So then right as I'm about to leave, uh, somebody walks up to me and they said, hey, I got to tell you something that happened said, my roommate, Michelle, was home because of her migraine headache that she couldn't come, but she was watching online. And it's the left side of her head, and they're not sure what the problem is. They've not been able to figure it out, but she's, it's so debilitating, she couldn't even leave the house. And when you shared that word and said, whoever it is, be healed in the name of Jesus, they said she was healed immediately by the power of God. Isn't that amazing? But it's, it's, what's more amazing is that I actually asked, right? You know, so many times we motor through our lives and we don't pause to say, God, what would you have for today? God, what would you say? And it could be just encourage somebody or listen a little longer or, you know, a lot of times it's just little things, but it's actively involving God. Give us this day our daily bread. All right, then the next one is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. All right, so here it is. I often use the illustration, if there's a conduit pipe between you and God, the, the, the throne of grace is open, the water is flowing, there is grace to receive and grace to communicate with God. If that is true, then what blocks the flow of my relationship with God? It is my known sin that is unconfessed and it is my sin towards others that is unresolved. So it is my unconfessed sin that blocks the flow, and it is my unresolved sin with others that has to be dealt with. So as we go through this prayer, forgive us our trespass, we forgive those who trespass against us. So here we go. Lord, is there anything blocking me? Now, here's the deal. We come to God with all of our sin. We come to God with all of our junk, but this is where we pause and say, is there any dirt clods in the, in the pipe <laughs> that need to be confessed that you might cleanse the way to allow the river to flow again, right? So we have that simple confession of sin, and then we have that challenge with other people. And I often say, Lord, is there anything right now between me and somebody else, or at least on my end, that I can resolve before you and let them go and put them in your hands and not try to control by my own anger, revenge, or attitude? You got it? So we have a little stick man figure. I know y'all love my stick man. So um, when we are unforgiving, we are tied to the other person and nobody's happy. 
You can fake it. You can be happy about other things, but that, that is reality. You're literally tied to the other person. Even the person that you quote, quote unquote hate, you are tied to them with your bitterness and your anger. That little dotted line, that is the scissors of God that come and cut the tie between you when you release them and put them in the hands of God. And then you trust God, you become happy and give them a chance to become happy. Isn't that great? This is, this is so wonderful. But it's very difficult to do because we want people to pay for their sins against us. And that does not mean that there isn't an appropriate boundary. It doesn't mean that there aren't laws that we have to deal with issues and all that. So this is not the boundary talk. This is the forgiveness talk. And what that means is I've got to put them in the hands of God and let them go so that I can be free to flow with God and be able to take on uh, brokenness around me with authority because I've let go of the people around me just as Jesus forgave me, so I also have forgiven others. Therefore, there is power to walk with God. All right, that's a three-hour sermon, but we got to go on to our temptations. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Wow, there's another prayer. And I love this on a daily basis because I'm praying ahead of time. Everybody's tempted. I am tempted just like you. Everybody has their unique temptations, but everybody has temptations to sin every day. It says in uh, Corinthians, no temptation has overtaken us, but which is common to man. But God who sees and knows will plan a way of escape. And one of those ways of escape or victory over temptation or sin is to pray ahead of time, lead me not into temptation. I don't even want to, uh, uh, I don't even want to get near sin. Would you let me know when I'm being tempted to deal with it early so that I run from evil instead of partner with evil in the name of Jesus? So lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I pray this all the time ahead of time. And then when I'm in a moment, Lord, lead me not in temptation, but deliver me from evil. It gives me power to walk away because I've already prayed. You got it? Lead me not in temptation, but deliver me for yours. It, then the, then the, the phrase goes back into worship for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, of course, there is so much more to say, but I knew you would want this. What are the 10 things that I want you to take away from the Lord's Prayer, right? Of course, you're gonna carry these around in your pocket everywhere you go. We're gonna have this on a resource for you. It'll be on Instagram and everything else, but here's the fast version, and you'll be able to have these for your own private use, but Jesus take, uh, calls us to a certain place in a consistent time. We come to the Father through the blood of Jesus. We adore and worship our Father who created us, wants us, and loves us. We declare and honor his name over our lives. We pray for his kingdom to come, his rule and reign, and his will by using his word to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray over every area of our day. We keep our hearts and lives soft through confession of sin and forgiveness of others. We pray over ourselves and ahead of our temptations. We worship with gratitude, adoration, and expectancy 
And number 10, the closer, we abide all day with prayers, worship, and the renewing of our mind with his word. The goal of the Lord's Prayer, it's an outline. It is a description with some prescription in it. But by using the Lord's Prayer in our daily devotions, we begin to find power, strength, and clarity. But then the big kicker is to use it to abide all day long, right? So here we go. You guys are familiar with abiding. Abide in me and I in you. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. And whenever Jesus is speaking, we should probably pause and listen to him. Can I just say Jesus is the wisest person that ever lived? You say, man, I met so-and-so. They're really smart. They're nothing. They're a joke compared to Jesus. I mean, really, they're interesting, and, and we appreciate what they know, but it's nothing compared to Jesus. Come on, just a reminder, you have access to the smartest person in the world, and him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and counsel, it says in Colossians 2, 3. All right, abide in me. And I and you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, <laughs> you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do, everybody get this? How much can you do? Okay, good. If you abide in me and I in you, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, It'll be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. There it is. My confidence again is in my abiding relationship with God and asking things according to his word and his way. And I know that he will hear me, whether it is for my heart or whether it is for my home or whether it is for my workplace or whether it is for the nations of the earth. So how do I use the Lord's prayer to abide? All right, so here we go. I'm driving down the road. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Woo! Declare the names of God. You're Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You're Jehovah Shammah, the God is there. You're Jehovah Rohi. Man, you can see me. If you see me doing this, driving down the road, you know what I'm doing. One hand, with one hand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. I'm, I'm able to worship and stay connected with Jesus through the Lord's prayer then your kingdom come, your will be done. I walk into the workplace, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm just smiling, they're looking, what are you happy about? Because the rule and reign of God is being released into this place in the name of Jesus. I'm taking authority to this space and place for the glory of God, right? There you go, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth is it, give us this day our daily bread. I've prayed over my day, now I'm walking into this situation because I'm already prayed up. Now, Lord, what would you say again? Remind me, is there anything I need to know right now as I walk into to this situation. All right, then somebody ticks me off, not if they are, when they do. Right? The reason we pray for forgiveness ahead of the day is because offense is coming. I can be offended by the world. I could be offended by another driver. I could be offended by my wife, or she could be offended by me. I could be offended by <laughs> so many things throughout the day, and now I've got a weapon immediately, and I forgive them and I bless them in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to let offense take light and root in me and stop my flow with God. So I'm ready to pray and to abide when offense comes throughout the day. Leave me not in temptation, but my eyes are drifting, my heart's drifting, the blue dots. Woo, Nope, in Jesus' name. Leave me not in temptation, but deliver me from evil. Why? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. 
Let me end with one last story. The reason that abiding is so important because you never know when it's needed. (laughs) You don't know what life holds. You don't know what's going to happen today, but you want to be connected to God when it does. You want to be connected to God in the mundane, in the day-to-day, because that's most of life. Um, And you want to be connected in the big moments as well. So about, uh, I guess, three years ago, I was flying in to Waco on the little Waco hopper, and I was uh, sitting in 1A, which is the very front on the side, across from the stewardess, and we had had a little pleasant conversation, and she's strapped in her little seatbelt. And uh, as, we're, as we're coming in for the landing, you hear something going on in the back of the plane, and I, and I look back, and this lady is running down the aisle. And she's so anxious. She's just, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. She's, she's losing. Anxiety's overtaking her and she's freaking out. And she's running down the aisle. And, and I had just been just worshiping, just listening to worship. But I, uh, and, uh, and instinctively, I just got up and I bear hugged her, you know, <laughs> stopped her because she was trying to run toward the stewardess. So I stand up, I just bear hug her and I, and I just say, Hey, it's going to be okay. And I put her down in the seat. I get on the ground on my knees and, and we're coming in for the landing, right? Get on my knees. I put her, I put her down. The stewardess eyes is big. I said, it's going to be okay. And I, and I grab her hand. I'm sorry, look this way. And I grab her hands, <laughs> grab her hands. Uh, and of course she's just freaking out. I said, It's going to be okay. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And I said, I want you just to pray with me. And for some reason, what I felt to pray was the Lord's prayer. I said, just pray it with me. If you know it, pray it with me. Just close your eyes. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread right now. Give us this day. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And the peace of God as the wheels touch down and I'm bouncing in the the middle of the aisle. And the peace of God came over that lady. And of course, we had to all sit in our seats and wait while they escorted her off to, to care for her. But the stewardess came up afterwards. She said, just thank you, thank you, thank you. I didn't know what to do. And what I should have said is I didn't know what to do either. <laughs> But God showed up because I was with him. Who knows what God's going to do today? Because we're an abiding people. Because we're a prayerful people. Because we're taking the cues of Jesus and we're allowing the word of God and the Lord's prayer to have its full work in us as a community. And that's my prayer today. May miracles may encouragement, may love, may hope, may help be poured out in and through our lives as we reestablish this house of prayer. Let's stand together.